We're talking to the one and only propaganda about hood politics on today's Cozy Robot Show. The Cozy Robot Show. Hey, Cozy Robots. I'm Mike McCarg, and uh, welcome to the Cozy Robot Show. This is a show about empathetic skepticism. It's about understanding our feelings and other people's feelings and understanding what is true and real and how we make a world together we'd like to live in. I see people saying hello all over on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, on Periscope, all four platforms we're live on right now. So if you're watching on one of those platforms, uh, it's not just you. We're live in four places of, at once. Also, we'd always want to say hello to the people listening to the replay on Instagram Live, excuse me, Instagram TV or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or all those places we're available as replays. Of course, you might be watching a replay on YouTube as well. Um, you know, we've got a great, great show planned for you tonight. We're going to have a wonderful, entertaining, engaging, enlightening conversation with one of my dearest friends. But before we get to that, I want you to know that throughout the show, if you have a question that comes up about something we're talking about, write it down, drop it in the comments, because at the end of the interview segment, I'm going to come back and answer questions that came up during the live show. So this is a participatory experience tonight. I'll not only be following along in the comments, we'll be uh, grabbing some of those questions to answer at the end of the program tonight. And then after the show, as always, 10 minutes after the conclusion of the Cozy Robot Show, we have the after party, which is on our Discord server. Uh, tonight we'll be playing Among Us together. Uh, that's all the people who make this program possible. If you'd like to learn how to join us, you can do so at CozyRobots.com. We hang out together all throughout the week. We uh, decide where the show's going to go together, and then we also have a good time just socializing and talking about things. Um, and I know most of you are listening to the Cozy Robot Show as a podcast, and that's great. We love our podcast listeners, but we want to remind you that all the segments of the show uh, get cut into individual social videos and posted on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook to make it easier to share that with others. We did that because of your questions. And absolutely, Eli, this question counts. So, yes, I am looking at the comments as the show goes along. So we have just an amazing, amazing show planned tonight. And let's go ahead and get into it. I'm honestly elated. I am experiencing such joy right now that I fear, feel my uh, tear duct starting to activate. And that is because I love propaganda. Now, I don't mean I love <laughs> fake news media designed to manipulate people. I mean the poet, political activist, academic, and MC propaganda, the recording artist. Uh, joins me to talk about politics in a very specific variation. Prop hosts a program. In addition to being an award-winning recording artist, uh, Propaganda hosts multiple podcasts. One of those is called Hood Politics. And Prop has some of the most refreshing, educational, enlightening takes on politics that you can imagine. So if you're a person who's like, oh my gosh, Mike, we're still in this election drama. I'm so over it. 
I don't want to talk about politics anymore. Let me assure you of something. The conversation you are about to hear will not be like any other discussion of politics that you have been exposed to with talking heads in news media. This is something special because it involves my good friend, Propaganda. So here we go. This is the conversation Propaganda and I had about hood politics. And don't forget, stick around at the end of the program where I'll answer your questions live. My friend, welcome to the Cozy Robot Show. What's up, man? Let's get cozy with with meta, meta, metal things. <laughs> <laughs> metal know. things like friggin' politics. Right? We're, you know, we're trying to process all this happening in our world. And I was like, oh, who man. can I talk to that is both brilliant and informed and explains things in a way that isn't boring? I love <laughs> it. <laughs> that is my call in life. It is. And I got to say, I have been loving hood politics. Oh, man. Thank uh, you. Absolutely adoring it. Um, I'm not surprised that it's a stellar program at all. I, I think that fits my expectations. But for people who might uh, be unfamiliar with you or know you primarily as a mega successful artist and musician and rapper, yeah. what what is hood politics for the uninformed? Yeah, uh, I love that. Uh, hood politics is is at its core, it's educational, you know, and it's really more about like taking either just like the newest political dish or like hot takes or whatever uh, that's happening, you know, in the current zeitgeist or also like bigger ideas that, uh, you know, terms and concepts that maybe like are used all the time, but none of us really know what it means. Mm -hmm. And I am just essentially explaining them in terms of gang life or eighth grade middle school like playground politics uh because i i honestly believe really uh, uh well let me back up when i took like when i took uh when i was becoming like getting my teaching credential for for california um mm -hmm. you have to uh there's there's three parts in like the single subject credentialing thing because i got mine in, in social science and the last part was economics and hmm. I failed that economics test three times. And it's not because I didn't know what I was talking about. I just didn't know how you wanted me to say what I was right. talking about. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You know that what I'm saying? But, but for a long time, it made me feel like, dang, maybe I don't know. But just, mm -hmm. it just, it. I mean, to me, it was like economics is easy. Don't spend money you don't have, right? <laughs> you know, spend money on stuff. Spend money on stuff that makes you money. It's just like, mm -hmm. it's not... Mm -hmm. I don't understand why it's so hard. I don't understand all these charts. I don't understand all these terms you're using, but I know I know what I'm talking about. And I mm -hmm. feel like that's most of us in politics. Like if somebody mm -hmm. just gave you different language for it, you know what I'm saying? Then you're like, oh, I actually do know what I'm talking about. And I can speak with a little more um, confidence in my positions. And you just don't like, don't let nobody like, somebody told me a long time ago, somebody may be more intelligent, but they're not smarter. So right. like, so that's so that's one thing that like I want to really like help people understand politics because at the end of the day like the tagline is we just think politics is gangbanging in nice suits. Mm. I love a that language and b I I think that the talking shop around politics is architected to be 
exclusive. It's, it's designed elitist. to make yeah. regular people feel like they can't get involved in the process because we take normal concepts and just put weird language on you, When them. you say, like, yeah, perfect example, when somebody says, I didn't know the economy's good. Common sense would tell you, well, I don't know. Can I pay for my food? Can my neighbors mm -hmm. pay for their food? Can mm -hmm. Is my job good? Is uh, Are we struggling? Mm -hmm. Then, like, I don't know. Is my, are my neighbors struggling, too? Like, I feel like if we all struggling, then the economy's not good. That's easy. But you trying to tell me some sort of imaginary market chart is high so that means we're doing good. GDP like, is up one and a half percent year over year oh, in Q3. Great. <laughs> right? Sure. Cool. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, I don't. So when you tell me that nobody in my neighborhood is making enough for their rent, mm -hmm. but the economy's good, mm -hmm. I go make it make sense. Mm -hmm. I don't like then I, I guess I don't understand politics. You know what I'm saying? So so somebody like me has to come in and go, yeah, because that's a that's only one matrix of the economy. Listen, there's a lot of different ways to talk about the economy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I just, and you know, I just try to tell them in ways that, you know, make them that you would understand things that you're already familiar with. Because uh, that type of speech, like you said, that is type of exclusivity makes a person feel like they common sense doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, no matter what somebody tells you about the stock market, the economy is humans. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's us. Right. It's 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 us making money and spending it. That's the economy. So no matter what nobody tell you about how it's doing good or bad, you know how it's doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just want to give that person the permission to know that rather than feeling like, well, I guess I can't talk because I don't trade stocks. Maybe I don't understand. You know, of course, we're going to immediately go off my outline. But because I've been in <laughs> like what you're saying, it's so frustrating. We put fancy yeah. language on economic indicators that let yeah. us tell a story that sounds smart so people don't question it. When we yeah. say the GDP is up, the economy grew overall, and we say corporate earnings are up, like what we just said is there's more money and rich people are putting more of it in their banks. But that doesn't yes. actually describe, as you so eloquently said, the overall economy, which is money flowing through it. Um, yes. And yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it does serve to shut down conversations about yeah. the way the economy is fundamentally structured. You start feeling like you're taking crazy pills mm -hmm. to where you like, okay, so I guess it's good because you're telling me it is. And then you're saying, well, I guess it's bad because you're telling me it is. Meanwhile, my living situation hasn't changed in either way. Mm -hmm. So whose money are you talking about? And that's a fair question to ask. Which is like, again, why I feel so emboldened to say, hey, you have permission to you. Every any listener has has permission to play on this field. Right. You have permission to step in and say, wait a minute, dog, you don't get to say this. Mm. If you go, if you're going to tell me. That is good or bad and my life hasn't changed in any way. Why did I put you in power? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So then you don't need to you don't get to be empowered in that's ridiculous because my life hasn't changed in any way. And you telling me it's going up. And whose life are you talking about? Whose money is better or worse? That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's a fair question to ask. Mm -hmm. Like, where my money? That's that's where it gets hood. Where my bag at? I want to eat, too. You telling me all the bosses is eating? I ain't eating? Where, where my food at? Where my plate? 
at the end of Joke the day, said. we are all part of the economy. And we are yes. all part of the body politics. So whether we say we like talking about politics or not, or whether we say we like talking about the economy or not, the impact of those things on our lives yeah. does not go away. Period. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we just had a anyway, big election, huge yes. election. Great news, actually, and I'm being sincere here, record turnout. More Amazing. Americans voted in this election than any election prior. Um, and in absolute terms, as a percentage of the population, turnout was also yeah. very, very good. 74 million mm -hmm. people voted for a ticket headed by Joe Biden and uh, yeah. coming alongside Kamala Harris. Very happy yep. about that. 70 million people. This is, uh, and by the way, the votes are still being counted. There's, both of these totals are going to go up. 70 million people voted for Donald Trump and Mike Pence. And one of those numbers is really encouraging to me. One of those numbers is very discouraging to me. Um, yeah. I won't say that I'm shocked by them, but I would say I am discouraged. I'll admit that. Yeah. Um, and this, we're, we, I see a process where uh, uh, across spectrums of political affiliation, I'm trying to get away from this left-right nonsense because it's oversimplified, but Good. across spectrums of political identity and belief, there are these narratives forming about what went wrong for who, because everybody got something to lament. The, yes. You know, people who support Donald Trump right now, their guy lost. Now they're they're trying yeah. to undo that. We might talk about that later. Uh, yes, but their yes. guy lost. But they they got a good shot at holding the Senate. They increased yeah. their margin in the House of Representatives. And in a redistricting year, they held state legislatures, which means they will get to gerrymander the same way they did in the last election, cementing their hold in states that otherwise might be becoming swing states. And out yeah. of all that confusion, so we have kind of like an in-house conversation on yeah. people who are kind of Biden supporters, that coalition, Trump supporters, that coalition. But then there's also this kind of meta conversation between the two parties being led by the centrists who often I, I identify centrists as people who believe they're smarter than people on the other side, <laughs> who are saying yes. what we need to do right now is reach out to Trump voters and understand them, understand their frustrations, understand why they voted the way they did. And I just kind of be curious if you agree with that notion and if so, why? And if not, why? Um, I think, I think at the end of the day, we already do understand them. And that's, that's, again, the crux of hood politics. You understand, <sighs> mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I am going to say this in the most, like, I'm going to give them the most generous read, right? Because the way that the Senate is playing out is proving, in my mind, this generous read. Of course, there's the easy part where it's like, motherfuckers is racist. That's easy. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think that there is a good amount in this block that are. Um, at the same time, it's, mm. when I when I look at what's happening with the Senate and how this, what this election shows me is that most people voted a mixed ticket. Mm -hmm. That they voted across blue and red, right? Uh, which means that if to put it in 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 hood perspective, it's the gang comes first. Hmm. The hood comes first, right? So the so what I'm saying is like so the hood is Republican, the hood is Democrat, the hood is always bigger than anybody on top. It always will be. 
We could mm -hmm. always rebrand. There'll always be a new boss. There's always a new big kingpin. They come and go. Kingpins come and go. The hood comes first. And so what I'm seeing is those that are like, I still believe in small government. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, I still don't think, I still don't think y'all should, uh, Y'all should just be in our business. I think I, I don't like the idea of a lot of spending. I don't like these are my topics. I think that's cool. That said, I'm not really convinced about big homie up front. Right. Mm, and when mm. you in the streets, you understand that since everyone can get touched. Right. At some point, you have to make a calculus of like, am I going to go down with this guy or mm -hmm. am I going to prepare myself for the next person? Because there's always a next person. Right. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, reaching across the board, I'm going, I actually understand what you're doing. What you're saying is party over everything, party over personality. Mm -hmm. Right. And if this person is going to take the party down, then he need to go down. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we could always rebrand. We could always rebuild. I know this because Mitch McConnell still got a job. Cause he shouldn't have a job, <laughs> yo. Right? Yeah. He do. Yeah. So, so there's that. Now you get down to like the 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 ground. Susan level. Collins too. Two historically unpopular Republican like senators you. sent right like back. You. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's because party come first, right? You get a firebrand here and there. You know what I'm saying? Like for me, it's like I'm a Laker fan, right? I'm not a I'm not a LeBron James fan. I'm a Laker fan. I will be a Laker fan when LeBron retires, right? So they saying the same thing. I'm going to be Republican when this dude's gone. It don't matter. I'm still this, right? And then secondly, I think that, like, what he's done, why someone would still ride for him is his, his game is strong. He talks a good game. He is telling people, hurting people, Mm -hmm. poor people, people that feel like they're not being listened to what they want to hear. It's pimping. It really is. It's just pimping. You get mm -hmm. it, you, you, you convince it. They have a, they have a, there's a phrase and it's a terrible phrase, but it's called breaking a bitch. And so you have to convince this woman, I am the only person that loves you. This mm. is the best option for you. Look at where you came from. Look at where I can take you. Now, it's going to be a bumpy ride, but if you wow. just trust me, I'll take you where you need to go, right? And you believe it. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So I understand from being in the middle growing up in L.A., it's like if somebody got on the screen and said, yo, we're going to figure out how to fix all these drug, all this drug situation, all this gang violence, all this police brutality, trust me, the problem is those people over there. I'm going to do everything I got to do to get rid of those people over there. <sighs> now you got a chance, Right. I, this is music to anyone's ear. Mm -hmm. The man just told you your way of life is threatened. It'll never be the same. And it's, and those people are the problem. Mm. I'm here to protect you from those people. I get it. That's exactly why you're voting for him. The frustrating thing for me is I agree with everything until he gets to, and those people are the problem. Yes. Yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. Whoa. <laughs> What? Why him? What did they do? Yeah. It is. Uh, do we have incredible, incredible economic access problems in this country? Yes. yes. <laughs> it does the political class by habit ignore what voters want across the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
We talked about that on last week's show, you know, whether a given topic has 0% or 100% support from the public, it has the same 30% chance of getting some legislation from it, unless the top 5% of income earners have a a belief, and then that tracks their support, tracks directly with things that get legislation for them. So what frustrates me is the way a Donald Trump comes along and capitalizes on legitimate resentment in the American system and process, but then people get, they're so easily tricked into, oh, oh, the reason I have trouble with economic access is because of immigrants you yeah people with a tiny whose whose labor put into the economic system compared to their economic return might be some of the worst hands dealt in our economy one of the biggest the the biggest mind bender is how you convince a poor person that another poor person is their problem Mm-hmm. That's the part where when Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live, he was like, come get these nigga lessons. Is this is what this is what we're trying to say? Speaking from the margins, like, guys, I how how are y'all falling for this? At no mm-hmm. point did our community ever look across the table at another poor person from another ethnic group and said they the problem. Mm-hmm. You're not the problem. What we're trying to say is bro they using you don't you see they using you like i can't mm-hmm. i don't understand why you don't see they using you they telling you i'm doing this to you when you think about the early early 20th century like like labor disputes like the the you know the labor rev- revolution the, the 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 carnegie stuff where like when these poor white immigrants decided they wasn't gonna work no more right because they was like we finna unionize and what did the company do went and got freed slaves Mm. come work for him and so you just sowed this discord among two poor people so so the the freed slaves are like are you are you kidding me we can move up north to get a job let's go right Mm -hmm. whereas like these these poor immigrants were like these people treat us like trash like don't capitulate you know what i'm saying so rather than people looking at each other and going wait a minute are we being weaponized against each other Mm. and saying and then having the reality of being like oh wait we actually there's enough of us to change this Mm. we don't have to live like this but instead Mm. stoke our prejudices stoke our problem you know what i'm saying and and it and the it works 10 times out of 10 Well, we are briefly interrupting that amazing conversation with propaganda to keep the lights on for the program because the Cozy Robot Show is brought to you by sponsors. And our first sponsor this week is my absolute favorite, you. That's right. It takes a team of people to make this program happen. We have writing meetings, creative meetings, and production meetings. We have people uh, handling all the social media and the encoding and the sharing and the posting and coordinating interviews and the people who actually join us on the show. Every one of those people is part of the team that makes the Cozy Robot show possible. So it takes 
money. It takes resources to make that happen. And the most consistent and generous sponsor this program has is people exactly like you. Now, people who become Cozy Robots by visiting CozyRobots.com, join us in a private community. We have a Discord server, which is basically what I want the internet to be. It's a place where we share our feelings, our thoughts, our opinions, our creativity, and get in return what? Support and kindness. It's very different than a lot of what happens in Internet Discord. And, of course, we do fun things every week in the after party that follows the show. This week, of course, we're playing Among Us Together, which is a breakout game. It's really, really fun. We've done that before. Had a great time. Last week, we had a magic show from a professional magician and my friend Taylor Hughes, who did a really incredible show that left people in tears. It was beautiful. So your support makes this program happen. And if you're not a Cozy Robot already, consider joining us at any level. It does help us produce this show. You can learn more by going to CozyRobot.com. Cozy. <laughs> CozyRobots.com. <sighs> Can't say my own website tonight. <laughs> so I hate to do this in the middle of an ad read, but I was watching myself talk to propaganda and watching my concentration face while I listened to propaganda. <laughs> and I got the giggles really bad. And then there were so many times I'm listening so hard trying to run the recording um, <laughs> that I miss people's jokes. I do that in interviews all the time. So if, you, <laughs> if you're ever wondering why, I just stare forward because uh, I'm a podcast guy. This video stuff is, I'm still getting used to it. Anyway. <laughs> That's your freebie in the middle of the ad segment. <laughs> anyway, our wonderful uh, other sponsor this week is KiwiCo, one of the longest running sponsors of the Cozy Robot Show. And we are so grateful to them, not only for their sponsorship, because they make amazing stuff. KiwiCo, that's K-I-W-I-C-O, creates hands-on projects for people of all ages uh, learning about STEAM science, technology, engineering, art, and math. They make it really fun. They create these crates that are done in different lines. You sign up for a subscription, and every month you get a crate that fits that line, that theme, and that age-appropriate activity. And they spend over a 1,000 hours designing and testing every single crate. And in this time when we're doing, gosh, a lot more things at home, when a lot of schools aren't open, what a lifeline it is to know that when a box arrives in the mail, everything you need to do that project is in the box. And there's lots of really, really fun stuff. I built a ukulele, an electrical pencil sharpener. Uh, Macy, my daughter, uh, just yesterday was building some kind of a messaging machine. I don't even know how it works, but uh, it was this orb full of orbs and you click a lever and it gives a message and uh, it, it looked like engineering, it looked like art, it looked like math, it looked like all of those things together, and of course it was. It was KiwiCo, that's what they do. So, KiwiCo would love for Cozy Robot listeners to get involved to, in STEAM learning for themselves and for their families. They offer hands-on art and science projects, so kids can engineer a walking robot, design a paint pendulum, that one is really awesome, by the way, uh, conduct bubbling and chemistry experiments and more all from the comfort of home and you can do that 
and get 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com and then use the promo code COZYROBOTS. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com and use promo code COZYROBOTS. And now right back into my conversation with propaganda about hood politics. Well, let's let's stick in that lane for a second. Do you mind yeah. turning the temperature up a little bit, making people less comfortable? Let's turn it up. Because if you look at the projections by pollsters on how this election was going to play out uh-huh. and how it actually played out, <laughs> it, was, it was a big difference. It was a very big difference. We were like, well, you know, a Trump victory and a Biden landslide are about equally likely. And, uh, you know, at the very least, the Democrats are going to gain seats in the House. They could uh, or hold seats. They may gain them. And the Senate is leaning Democrat. (laughs) Um, And as we talked about those things, and I noticed this language happening as it occurred. And -hmm. I want to be clear that before I say this, I'm not speaking from a position of superiority two years ago i would have used this language myself yeah totally but people talked about the black vote it's all bad the latinx vote and the native american vote the singular as i often hear people say the black community yeah the latinx community yeah native american community or maybe the most preposterous of all the asian american Which, if we just talk about global population, yeah, yeah, yeah. that one it that one has an especially large exclamation point on the end. Yeah. When people look at electoral politics that way, what are yeah. they missing? Talking about these single votes in these single communities. Oh man, that's like how do I? <laughs> that's uh, a big one. Where do you start? That's like opening. <laughs> yeah, you you open the closet and you go, oh, you got you got some blue shirts. <laughs> Like, bro, you, you just see blue. That's all you see in there? Like, you just... It's like... It's, it's an infinite amount of shades of blue in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I think that it it shows um, really a lot of the residue left And I want to be clear. I'm talking mainly about people in the Democratic coalition. Uh, yeah, totally. Who were just totally. like, oh, we can bank on these, this we're vote, good. this vote, and this vote. We're good. Yeah, you, 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 uh, I honestly think it's leftover residue from the like times of like phrenology and eugenics and Mm. really just understanding these ideas that were birthed out of like just horribly racist and Mm. debunked science that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you're, if you're not careful, you don't realize how much of that you've actually internalized, you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, I mean, I'm guilty of it too, you know, uh, I uh, oftentimes I know with, with <laughs> using the term the black community we um we often speak in terms of like shared experiences while at the same time understanding the diaspora and being like our 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 Nigerian brothers and sisters who are first generation we're like oh well they're African like we know that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying and and uh i know in the in the you know the latinx community the specificity of the cuban experience of being like well y'all are refugees which is mm-hmm. different when you guys got mm-hmm. here they let y'all here y'all came on asylum you know what I'm saying? everybody else got sent back at the border got our kids put in cages 
So of course we're gonna have a different relationship. And then I think the the things that uh the 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 democratic circles underestimated is the triggering power of the word socialist yeah. um, because of where they came from, because of where the the you know Latino community came from. Like mm-hmm. it, you know, when you you can you can use that word because it it's a harken back to what they were running from. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even though mm-hmm. it's Totally different. It's not the same, but you could say it. You know what I'm saying? And anything that they that smells like where they came from, you could weaponize. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just personally think, you know, among how do I say this? Among black people, uh there's I mean, there's there's like a funny way to look at it, and then there's like a like a real piece of piece of social science on it. It's like the um Can I say the N-word on your podcast? Yeah, uh, you say whatever you want. Okay. All right, y'all. Don't repeat this. I'm teaching you. This ain't your word. This is me teaching you. Okay? Mm-hmm. Listener, watcher. <laughs> there's house niggas and there's field niggas. Mm. Right? Um, there's those who got out were able to take care of themselves. And I'm going to get real triggering. The, like, it's Candace Owens' backstory. Mm. She struggled and she made it. Mm-hmm. And she don't understand why nobody else can't do the same. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, right? So she's like, I did it. You should be able to do it. To take care of yourself. I'm not fo- I'm not finna just stay on. It's the Kanye West of the world. I'm not finna just stay on this plantation. This is crazy. I'm going to get mine together. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to play whatever game I need to play. And I'm going to get off this plantation. I am. You should do the mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not worried about nobody. I need to get to the table. Because if I get to the table, it's the friends for non-effect. He's a, he was a sociologist in the 60s. The thing is, like, everything would change if I was at the table. Mm. So, so it's not so much destroy the plantation, it's run the plantation, mm-hmm. right? If I run the plantation, then I'm going to run it better. Whereas the other side of that, that's so, or, or you could take the house nigga who's like, I'm okay. Like, they treat me all right. You know what I'm saying? I got mm. mine. You know what I'm saying? It's I understand, like, I still work for them. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, don't rock the boat. It's kind of working for me. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Field, the other side of that is, like, why would I take over a system that's inherently flawed? That's the other side of that. That's saying, no, yeah. burn it down. Burn down the plant. I want to run the plantation. I want to burn it down. You shouldn't own people. I don't want to be in charge of a system that's terrible, right? Yeah. No, burn yeah. it down. You feel me? So that that's the black person that's going, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna capitulate. I'm not, there's there's no freedom for me if we all ain't free. How'd that look? Mm. I'm gonna run off mm. this plantation, leave my cousins, everybody out. That's you crazy. I'm not gonna do that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we mm-hmm. all leave. If I win, if I leave, we all leave, right? That's kind of like, so So when you're looking, at least in the black community, that's a good like matrix. When you a field nigga, it's like, I'm feeling the worst of all this is. I'm outside in the sun. It may, may be nice for you, but don't you understand you a slave like I am? Don't you get it? Just he treating you nice? Your property, bro. You need to look good because when the other people come in, you got to look good. You mm-hmm. one of us. Don't you understand mm-hmm. that? That people, that man don't love you. You know, so... So these are like in a lot of, with the black community, these are like the ways that we kind of think about it. And, 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 and the, and the truth is 
the beauty of our democracy means you got every right to think that. You got mm. every right to solve this solve this solution. You you could play if you want to play. There's no it's wrong for us to say you're out of line. You know what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. need to stay in step with the community, with the culture. I I don't I think that's wrong to do that. I disagree mm. if you step outside of the culture because I don't think I don't understand how you don't appreciate what was done for you. Mm. You didn't do this on your own. You didn't get off the plantation by yourself. Joe said, it's people yeah. you stepping on. It's people that's going to die. It's people going to starve for you to have your little nice house. Mm. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand how anybody could do that. But not understanding those nuances among the black community. So when, so when Trump say stuff like the platinum plan, which is to me was the most <laughs> condescending, it's so condescending to call it that. You talking about freaking flyer miles? What? Well, let's go. <laughs> you talking about so I can be iced out, right? So you you feel you seen a few rap shows, and you think, oh, black people like platinum, so we gonna call it the. So I can get get a gold chain. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh my god, man, <laughs> who out there tap dancing for this fool? Like somebody <laughs> tap danced for you, and you thought you knew black people, and I'm like, mm. man. So in my mind, yeah, the ancestors. I feel like ancestors looking at that person at tap dance say, who told this man? He could call this the platinum plan. We just going to fall for it. But mm. if you're looking out for you, I get it. And it's funny you say that, the platinum plan and outreach, you know, because a big thing I've heard discussed a lot in the media mm -hmm. is, and we're not even sure this data is going to hold up because exit, exit polls are certainly preliminary. Yeah. It looks like there may have been modest gains for Trump with black men. There have. Meaning he went from losing by an almost absolute margin to merely uh, incredibly and overwhelmingly embarrassing one. Yeah. And yet we hear more attention paid to that or, you know, uh, a movement among Latinx people, you know, even... <laughs> glomming cuban americans in yeah as if they have no separate identity we hear so much more about that yeah uh than the overwhelming margin that trump won with white men or it appears this yeah. election cycle uh a majority of white women as well yeah and i've noticed this cycle to really emphasize wait a second aren't these people of color supposed to be our reliable voting block when the fact is statistically speaking if trump was going to win the electoral college he was doing that on the back of the white vote oh yeah and the, where's that like why do we have that disparity that's so separate from the reality that's so weird man i think yeah i think in a lot of ways like when i listen to like my conservative like my black conservative brothers and sisters, they definitely make a good point to where they just like, these Democrats are just, they're just assuming we're good. Like they're just assuming that we're just not out front racist, that <laughs> we don't know yeah. you behind the scenes yeah. racist. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they'll, they'll be fine because they don't want a, a straight Nazi in the White House. And it's like, well, if, if the relationship is transactional, and that's something that, like, I think, uh, again, it's something that happens a lot of times in, in with oppressed people. Like, after a while, you start going, well, I'm done trying to be your friend. This is transactional. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and I don't, and I think that, yeah, like you said, like, they didn't, 
they didn't stop to think about that. Like you didn't give us a transaction. You just basically told us you understood that racism exists in the world. Okay, well, cool. What you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? Like, I need you to tell me what you gonna do. You feel right. me? At least right. with this dude, I, I mean, I know what I'm dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think there's that. I also think it's very interesting to me, like, <sighs> the gains I think Biden made with white men also. I think he actually gained with white men too. He did. He which did. I think is also very interesting because at some point I feel like, you know, it's, it is a zero sum game when it comes to voter blocks, either you voted this way or this way. Um, but I think that, uh, two things, I think it, it, I think in a lot of ways, like you have those, the white men that were just like able to cruise so long and be like, I really don't need to be involved because like, man, I don't know. It's just like, it's uncomfortable. I'm getting this. It's fine. I go to work. I go home. And they just kind of like sat out of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's those same people that started seeing explosions in their streets being like, well, I mean, I don't want the country to burn down. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, right. Well, right. dang, let me, okay, well, sheesh. Or just being like, I think, and this is my opinion, is like, you get a few generations later and you hear someone that sounded like your great uncle Dave in the White House and you're like, huh, he sounds like my racist uncle. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, I, I don't know, man. Maybe it's cool when it's Uncle Dave, but when it's the president, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, ah, I don't know, man. At least that's what I've been hearing from like white dudes where it's like, I mean, if it's your uncle, you're just like, whatever, dude. But like, hey, this guy, I, I wouldn't put him in charge or nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I don't know if I can recover from it's cool if it's your Uncle Dave. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, cool if it's him. I mean, whatever, you know. But like Damn, man, you saying the quiet stuff out loud, bro. Like, yeah. sheesh, you know, or people that just like, like I said, that are like still, like I said at the beginning, still believe in small government. Like, I still believe in like, conser I still have conservative values. I just, it's clear this guy's not a conservative. You know what I'm saying? So right. at that point, it's transactional. Then it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, cool. Well, then what's, what's the power play here? How you going to keep me? How you going to keep me wealthy? How you going to keep me in charge? You know what I'm saying? How we going? What, what, what we going to do? You know, because, you know, this man doesn't stand for your values. Any. None of them. Yeah. 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 Wow. And, you know, as you're talking and I'm reflecting. It almost seems like the the offer from. The Democrats. Yeah. To marginalized communities is vote for us. And your life won't get actively worse <laughs> yeah. and might get slowly and incrementally better when measured over decade-old time spans. Yes. Ooh, that's a compelling proposition. Great. And then the, the right coalition is like, hey, rich people, you want to pay less taxes? And that's like their core value proposition. And what both of them do is, and I'm serious here. Yeah. If you are a middle class or a working class white person, remember that, that I never will reduce the working class. Mm -hmm. And when I the word white applies, I'm going to say it. Yeah. So I'm talking about the white working class here. Shame on the Democrats for yeah. making the belief of the white working class that 
Are fates the same with either party? True. Because the Democrats say, hey, marginalized people, we need you in our voting block. Your life won't get actively worse if we're in power. Might even get slowly better. Hey, corporations, like we can't get you necessarily lower taxes, really. But we can stimulate the economy so that the pie overall grows for you. And we'll still pass policies. We'll pass laws that increase your amount of political and economic clout in the culture. And so you have these two parties kind of wooing the economic elites and corporations in their policy and in their messaging, doing everything they can to keep us at each other's throats. Yeah. And it's freakishly effective. Hmm. I do think it's interesting, though, like when you when you talk about the centrist, it's like, um, how do I say this? Did you ever read uh, uh, Lulu Garcia's book, The uh, Why Fish Don't Exist? No, it's a great book. She's a host on a radio lab. Uh, OK. You know, and it was about like her putting her life back together after like a horrible okay. tragedy, whatever. Right. But she uses as a jumping off. Um, something that me and you would love where she's like, Hmm. uh, if you, if you were to compare a lungfish, a salmon and a cow and ask which one of these two creatures are more closely related to each other. Right. Well, the, obviously you would say, well, the salmon and the lungfish, but once you get to the taxonomy level, it's like, well, no, actually the lungfish and the cow. Uh, once you get to that level, right, because of its organs, the way that its bones are set up, right? And then when you start doing this with all the fish in the ocean, you realize there's really nothing in the ocean that we can actually categorize as fish. They're all mm. something else, right? Like whales have lungs. Like you, you know, we, we, we keep forgetting that, right? We just all roped them all together and called them fish. And it's really only because they just live in the same place. It would be like pointing at a mountain and being like every animal on that mountain is the same animal. Right. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They're all something else. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's. But we know what a fish is. But in reality, there is no such thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I think of a centrist, that's what I think about. Like, I know what it means, but there's really no such thing as one. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's a combination of a lot of different things. What you're basically saying is if policy is this like line of left and right, right, which came from the French Revolution, it's only left because that's where the socialists sat on that sat on that side of the room. That's why we call it left. You know what I'm saying? They both end at authoritarians, right? So like, you know, they one's a, one's a fascist dictatorship, the other's a socialist dictatorship. They just end at authoritarian. So they they meet at their ends, right? So mm-hmm. all that all that to say, uh, the person in the middle is basically saying, "Hey, you know what? I I like having healthcare that I can afford, and I think someone if I can't get it, someone sh- there should be a way to get it." Mm. You know what I'm saying? Would you you're saying so? Or the other one's going, you know, kind of wish like kind of leave me alone and just like if it fails it fails you know, if my business fails it fails but just i just basically just want to be able to like 
have an easy life. I just wouldn't be able to work, pay for shit, and raise my kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if that's the answer, then guess what? That's all of us. All of mm -hmm. us just want to work, mm -hmm. <laughs> raise our kids, and have an ease of life and have be able to afford something. So the centrist to me, at the, if the only way to describe it is, is the person that just values comfort. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, so Florida votes for Donald Trump and to raise the minimum wage. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just want to be comfortable, right? So, so in my mind, what this election showed is that most of us just value our self-preserving. We just value mm -hmm. comfort. We're not looking for no revolution. We're not looking for no overturning. Everybody just want to be able to pay their bills, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and and they own. And it's like, and it's like, I hope it works out for you, but if it doesn't, is it really my problem? To me, mm -hmm. like. Ultimately, that's and I feel like our elected leaders know this. That's why they all that's why they leave their extremes and just come into here. Right. The the onlyest outlier I could think about is Donald J. Trump. And I just I cannot get my head around that unless the only thing I can think of is he was able to convince people that you are going to lose your comfort regular mm. normal non-extreme people that you're gonna lose your comfort wow yeah mm -hmm. i think about that a lot about how the right and the left have authoritarian tendencies how yes. they both have populist tendencies you see yeah i like bernie i really do don't hear, don't hear this wrong but i i think bernie has a very colorblind class analysis but I like Bernie, yeah. but Bernie taps into a populist rage. Yes, on the left, he's Donald still Trump's saying, tapped in. Yeah. yes, yeah, he's still saying the problem is them. Mm -hmm. That's still what he's doing. You know, it's them, but the them is corporate, right? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I totally agree. And then Donald Trump has exposed not only the populist but the author authoritarian leanings of some folks on the right. And we're when we look at that psychologically, um. There are uh, psychological personality traits that predict a, uh, the kind of predilection a person has yeah. to kind of a buy into authoritarian government. It's called the dark triad mm. of personality traits, which is pretty heavy language for psychology. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the you know those kind of psych those traits exist in lesser but still significant numbers in the Democratic coalition as well. Yeah. And I think if we're not careful. Um, the sense of real injustice we all feel about the way society is structured yeah. can be tapped into by bad actors who use our legitimate grievances yeah. to deepen their power without ever advancing our interests. Mm, yeah. Um, and that, it's a constant point of frustration for me Yeah, in our society the way that voters and working people, the lifeblood of this country, its economy and its abilities are almost farmed by the economic and political elites in this country Yeah, across both parties. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I couldn't have said it any better. And I, I think again, that's why I say like, 
you know, again, in the hood terms, it's like, because the set comes first. Mm. People come and go. The set comes first. And for them, they like, nah, this is what we do. This is our block. It's our hood. We trying to, it's Game of Thrones. And then, and the, and the clan is always first. The people, they going to be it, isn't that? Look, there's a hundred years ago, there was a whole different, an entirely different set of humans that were the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. They know that. They know a hundred years from now, all there'll be an entirely different crop of humans on the planet. Set comes first. Save the set wow. at all costs. Wow. In my mind, that's what that's what I feel like. That's what I'm looking at. Um, and while at the same time, you know, selling us this story, this beautiful flowery story of this, you know, the American experiment, the American dream and stuff like that. It's like, well, which is cool. It's beautiful. It's just, I mean, can we stop? Can we stop like playing house? Can we stop pretending that that's what's happening though? Like at least can we, at least it's not, you know, piss on my back. Tell me it's raining. Like I know Mm. what you're doing, bro. You know? Um, Mm. So in a lot of ways, like it's funny. I come away from that conversation Coupled with being, you know, the child of a, you know, Black Panther coming from a militant home, your leanings, a lot of ways, become libertarian. You just walk away being like, you know what? I can't trust you. I never can. Just Mm -hmm. never could. I'm not going to borrow money from somebody that hates me. Leave me alone. I'll figure this out. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, If it wasn't for racism, I'd probably be a full libertarian. Because, <laughs> because I can't get you to change the laws. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the onlyest way for me to get some rights in this country. You know what I'm saying? Is I gotta I, I, I'm telling you, man, I would it would be really easy for me if you had sense if if the culture has sense enough to know that if minimum wage isn't enough for the cost of living, then it's not minimum. I don't mm-hmm. know why you need the government to tell you that, but apparently you do. You understand what I'm saying? I can't make you not racist, but I can for damn sure make sure you can't create laws. You understand yeah, what I'm saying? Right. That that set in concrete your racism. Mm-hmm. So that's that's for me what keeps me engaged. Cause I'm like, cause if not, I would be like, yeah, just I can work. I'm fine. Leave mm-hmm. me alone. Let me earn my pay. I'll work mm-hmm. harder than the next man. I like I I would love that. I would love for it to be true. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just not. So can we stop pretending? You know what I'm saying? Like you walking around with a broken arm, acting like it ain't broke, trying to go shoot hoops. Like why are we? Why are we all pretending like your arm ain't broke? Mm-hmm. You know. So, mm-hmm. and that, and and exactly what you articulated that like they just it's they're just power. They're brokering their own power. Mm-hmm. And I just need to walk walk in here and say okay. Here's my best interest. And you have set up a system that says I am allowed to lobby my best interest. It's called a voter ballot. You know, it's called protesting. I am allowed to do this. I'm allowed to stay on your head. That's what your that's what your little imaginary paper said. I can Mm -hmm. stay on your head. You know what I'm saying? And I need to have the confidence enough and the determination to stay on your head. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. and, And for me, again, that's what. That's what keeps me engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there's anything I wish, it's that all 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump 
would stay all over him and over all Republicans no. about advancing the interests of those people and for the people who reside in this country and all 74 million people who voted for Joe Biden never let them rest. Yes. Never let their phones stop ringing. Hey, let's quit me. playing yes. every four years political Super Bowl. And let's remember the power in this country rests in our hands, not theirs. So good. Mm. Mikey, I uh, switching gears here. God, that was a good line you just did. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it before I switch gears. Like, wait, that was so good. <laughs> Man, when I think, okay. I told you when we started, I spiraled a little bit. Mm-hmm. I spiraled because I just went back into my like civics and law books about mm-hmm. elections and like, wait, could could Trump actually pull this off? Like I was like, and he could, he could, he could yeah. It's an wrong. outside, it's an it's an outside straight draw. It is, but the but idea that like it is well within the Constitution for the sitting president to be like, we just need all new electors. We can't trust these votes. So here, every state, here's your new electors. And you can just pick new electors. You just can. That's in, in, some, in some states, it would require legislation to do so. But yeah. if they hustled, they could. They hustled if you get the right amount of states. That's right. The and right I'm, states and the right amount. Absolutely. The right and the right amount. The, you could do it. And then, and then. They got to beat safe harbor. Yeah. Uh, December 6th, but they I think they could easily do that. I think they could pull it off. And then mm-hmm. when you, uh, and let's just say, worst case scenario, that happens. Now it goes to the legislature to be like, which one of these electors do we listen to? Well, that decision goes to the person that presides over the legislative branch, which is Mike Pence. So you telling me Mike Pence gets to choose which one of these electors we get to listen to? I mean, that's in the... Yeah, so the the way I've thought about it is right now we're on a race to the presidency. Yeah. And um, Team Biden is a marble rolling downhill. Like, it's just, if if nothing changes between now and January the 20th, at noon, Joe Biden's going to be the president. Yeah. But Team Trump, is a marble trying to leap from mouse traps uphill. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to hit all these things. They've got to have a couple lucky breaks in court. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Bill Barr has announced he's going to be doing investigations now yeah. into significant cases of voter fraud. They're trying to lower certainty, get more on their side in the yeah. courts, overturn a couple key elections, delay a couple key certifications, get state legislators involved, yeah. elect new electors, get that certified in time. It's a long, it's a lot of stuff. He's got to hit a lot. When he jumps off one mousetrap, he's got to land on the next one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it could happen. It could happen. If he gets to the top of the hill before Joe Biden rolls to the bottom, we will have a second Trump administration, which is why all people of good conscience in this country, and it won't work out this way, but it should yeah. And we should have everyone who voted for Joe Biden plus millions of people who voted for Trump saying this will not stand. Yeah. Because if we get into a system where the party in power can shift the levers at will, how's that going to feel for you? Yeah. When it's not the party that you feel like has your back. 
Come on. The 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 short-sightedness of being like you ain't going to always be on top. You ain't, ain't going to always be you. And yeah, and I'm watching clips of the GOP being like, I don't understand why the Democrats can't just accept this victory. I'm like, be careful. Watch your words, bro. Watch your words. 2018, that's what you said. That's what you said. They just, they're just not playing fair. They just don't believe in our systems. Mm-hmm. Word? Mm-hmm. Word? You hear yourself? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You always be careful. Don't dish out what you can't take. Like, like, like mama used to say, you know, um, but yeah, man. As bad as our political system and rhetoric gets in this country, yeah. it is better than the alternative. Very true. Which there is, are other yeah. ways to settle the brokering of power. There and historically, is. Historically, let's go with pieces of paper pushed across desks. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because I'm saying every, I feel like every history teacher from seventh grade to PhD level is flailing their arms and hands. Mm-hmm. Like the like the scientists in disaster movies, like the guy that's going, guys, the meteor is y'all think I'm crazy. The meteor is coming. Every history teacher is doing that right now. Like, yes, do you got guys? Yeah, I feel like they all doing it. They're just like, I don't understand. What do you I mean, read a book like have any of y'all. Did anybody pay attention to history? Does anybody- the concession speech in this cycle yeah. is how you preserve your access in the next one. That's just yes, period. the way the system's built. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of the few things that I think is genuinely innovative and positive about American democracy. It's is very there true. There is a system for people to weigh in to create change that does not involve any guillotines. Yes. That does not involve you know anybody literally drug out of a building by a populace. It involves exactly. a wave and a helicopter. A wave and a helicopter is a pretty good way for a head of state. That's way to better. To be deposed because authority. You're right. Because I was going to say it. I I defy you to open up any era in history and tell me where it ended well for an authoritarian it just Doesn't never happen. ends well <laughs> and they and they just scorched earth the whole country on their way down it never ends well yeah the the idea that like where i did where i did buy into the marketing of america just from reading it is like <laughs> the truth is they made up the concept of the presidency out of thin hair there was no such thing as right. a president Right. And so for me, I'm like, yo, hats off because there's no such thing. They didn't know what the like, well, how, how do we do this? How do we? In 1787, the Constitutional Convention, no society had ever elected its chief executive. Never. And I'm Never. like, let's, okay, so black man, I was a slave. I would have been a slave then. You know mm. what I'm saying? As an intellectual, I can honestly say that's brilliant. They mm. made, they made an elect, they made, they made it up. You made it up and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And they wrestled mm-hmm. back and forth as to how to make it work and how do we choose him? How do we stop him from being this? How do we protect ourselves from this? Even, even in their own blind spots, knowing, knowing they had blind spots, you know, Benjamin Franklin saying like, I suppose uh, I'm gonna get the quote wrong, but like, you know, uh, asking a boy to asking a man to wear his coat when he was a boy is like asking future generations to be subject to our barbarism, like to be mm. like, we got we got holes. We don't know 
in full. Mm-hmm. But we got a good idea here. Mm-hmm. And we trust in y'all can keep this good idea going, you know. And one of those things is that if you've seen centuries of like, yeah, g- officials getting dragged out or chopped their heads or like bodies carried across the scene. And this isn't past, homie. Like this happens in countries <laughs> now. This is now. Right. Y'all right. don't understand. But before we went to war, was it World War Two? No, yeah. Before we went to World War II, Spain was in a civil war. They dragged mm-hmm. their leader out. That's grandpa. Yeah. Like this right. still happens. It still happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for the people, and there are many who are like, wow, I cannot get enough <laughs> of what propaganda has to say. Whew. What are you working on? What are you dropping? Where can people check it out? I love it. Uh, so yeah, Hood Politics Podcast. Um, we're in some some talks with some like some bigger networks, so I'll be able to bring that thing weekly pretty soon. Um, prophiphop.coms, all the uh, the coffee stuff, the music, and all this. I I turned in the uh, draft for a book. Right on. My final draft for a Can't book. Can't wait to see that book and album. It's a, a hybrid of like you know poetry and short story. Um, I'm super excited about that's due out in May of next year. Uh, but we'll be dropping music like within the next few weeks here. <laughs> we got it so backwards. Way back in the day when we put Red Couch on the Liturgist Network. <laughs> we should have put the Liturgist on the Red Couch no, Network. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we was just all trying to figure it out, bro. <laughs> Can I, tell, can I tell a story? Can I put y'all on blast Please. for a second? Absolutely. It, it was, it's because clearly there's no love loss. This is Mike yeah. my dog. I love everybody. There was at the end, <laughs> at the end of one of the seasons, I was like, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, you never promoted the pod. You guys, <laughs> once, remember when I recorded commercials for you? Remember when we came to the house and did a joint? You know, you didn't put none of those out. Do you think you guys think maybe at some point you could I don't know help? <laughs> we, we had no idea what we were doing. Dog. And it was and you know what? And in it is so funny because like this is a testament to your character and 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 the friendship because in any other scenario, I probably would have been furious. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Just like mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I want my money back. What's going on? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but I just you're just a good man. So it was just <laughs> funny where I was just like, did they just forget? Like, I don't know if they know, but the season's over. Like, we, you ain't run not a one ad. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, we just all, I'll, it, well, I don't talk a lot about the liturgist anymore, but, uh, cause everybody tries to keep me a part of it. But, uh, if people had any idea, we would finish making an episode and immediately be like, oh my gosh. We're gonna have to make another episode, <laughs> and that's all we did all the time. Finish one episode and immediately panic because, like, wait, another one has to come out in two weeks, and that was a hundred percent of our y'all life. Y'all was at y'all was at red all the time, <laughs> all the time. Just, I, I, whoa! It made sense. It made sense once I toured with you. Then I was like, oh, yeah, I got it. It's like. How do you, I wish there was a, it would be, it's like the way I picture the universe coming together of just like 
spiraling mm-hmm. dust particles all over the place. And then just like it goes right here and then the lights pop on and the show started where I was like, yes. oh, what just <laughs> this was chaos <laughs> since we got to this venue. It's been chaos. Yes. But right at the downbeat, boom, I was like, oh, my God. Everything just got beautiful. What just. That's how the podcast happened every yeah, time. It's crazy. And that's why I make a simple little YouTube show now. <laughs> I, 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 look, this is my office. Yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. We just talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This was fun. I will admit, it is a cold day in Los Angeles. It really is, man. And I am sweating from (laughs) laughing so much. Yes. Like, I just am, and I don't sweat a lot unless I laugh, and I've laughed so much. To talk about such hard things and not skip the hard stuff and have a good time, Prop, you're just the greatest there is, my friend. So proud to know you. Looking at a mirror, man. You're looking at a mirror. (laughs) My dog. Ride for you always. Thanks, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, dude. Well, we have certainly had an active and ongoing discussion in the comments on all platforms as we record this. And uh, we're going to go in and respond to a few of these questions that you have uh, left for us. And I will say, uh, Sarah, I see you on Facebook saying, please have Proc back and have Alma on the show as well. That is the plan. That is a request you can count on. I love to talk with Prop and Alma is they're 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 nothing if not an artistic and intellectual power couple. I mean, just absolutely dynamic people who I respect and admire and love. So uh would love to have one of them on, both of them on, uh yeah, we, we, we would love to see them be regular parts of the Cozy Robot show. Uh, okay, so a few questions that came in while we were talking. We're going to respond to those. Uh, first question came in from Alfredo, who said, uh, Mike, has your opinion about convincing others changed since your Ask Science Mike episode on the art and science of changing minds? I feel like with democracy seemingly so fragile, this skill is more important than ever. You know, I think I would stand by everything I said on that podcast about the uh, importance of being um, emotionally aware, the importance of empathy, um, and the role that plays in actually helping people understand new perspectives and change their opinions. Our, our brain is divided roughly into three layers. <clears throat> Excuse me. I called him in my best-selling book, uh, You're a Miracle and a Pain in the Ass, the human, uh, the puppy, and the crocodile. and Or the person, the puppy, and the crocodile. And those three layers of the brain ask different questions. Our neocortical brain, the fancy, wrinkly stuff that we uh, equate with the human experience most of all, is a, is a rational, linguistic processing machine. Very impressive. And it asks the question, what does all this mean? But the puppy, our emotional social brain, asks, do I belong? And the crocodile, our our survival brain, asks, am I safe? And the way our democracy is being strained right now is everyone wonders if they're safe. And many powers 
that be in media and in politics intentionally try to keep that energy up for ratings and for power and influence. They try to keep us afraid of each other. And as long as we're afraid, we can't learn. As long as we're afraid, we try to trench into safe community to belong. And things escalate. And that path is well known, by the way. That cycle of mutual fear leads to increasing conflict. It can lead to civil war or to war. It's a bad situation when we look at history. Cycles of increasing and escalating fear are troubling. And when you combine that, you know, when we look at the things that we've gone to war over in the modern era, they're ideologically driven. There was some simmering tensions about an issue, and then there would be some inflection point, an assassination, for example, that caused things to boil out of control. But in the world right now, not just democracy fragile in the United States, democracy being fragile all over the world because we have a global pandemic and running up right behind it is climate. These are terrifying times to be alive. There are days I feel so overwhelmed and so afraid and so sad because I believe that there is tremendous potential in humanity. You know, one of the things I've struggled with so much in the last few years, I have seen friends and family commit incredible acts of human kindness. Things I'll remember the rest of my life. I've watched as people I respect and admire and learn from as a child who taught me the value of human life and the dignity of every person enter into cycles of fear and move into overt and outright racist speech and behaviors anti-queer behaviors. And denying basic facts about viruses and carbon in the atmosphere. And it's been so bewildering for me. And over and over, I try to reconcile with what I see in the world today with what I experienced as a child. And I think that's a, a difficult process for many people, especially white people who grew up in the comfort of those systems and never saw things from the outside. But if I had to amend the art and science of changing minds in some way, it would be like this. Martin Luther King Jr. is popular now but he was not popular when he was a living advocate in America. Not at all. The disenfranchisement I feel, I feel because I've benefited from power systems and structures in the United States for all of my life. 
and the ongoing struggle that different groups of people in this country experienced, they were invisible to me. I was taught that they were ancient history. And so while I believe it is important for us to have empathy, while I sincerely believe that people can grow and change, and I believe that because I did, I also know that no person who experiences ongoing harm, and I would use the word oppression in our society, they should not have to wait for me or anyone to be comfortable to get basic access to the necessities of life. If we look at COVID, white people are overwhelmingly the population group that denies COVID-19 exists or is severe at the same time that black Americans, Latinx Americans, and native and indigenous Americans pay the cost with their lives. We have to do something very challenging right now, and the stakes are high. And that something is, at the same time, in relationship, we empathetically offer people new perspectives beyond their own, a vision of the shared stakes we have together as a species. As we do that work, we cannot assume that is all of the work. Because schools desegregated because black Americans put their bodies on the line through nonviolent resistance. At the same time, we are supportive and persuasive of friends and family. And at the same time, we watch out for our own mental health and don't fall into old patterns of codependency or abuse with the family systems and social systems we came from. As we do those things, we must also commit fully and immediately to being part of radical and immediate change. Because black Americans don't vote in record numbers for Democrats to save white people. Black Americans are so engaged politically because they have so much to lose. So we have to participate in the system to make this society more fair for everyone, whether we have a majority of white people who agree that's necessary or not. We have to start working towards radical solutions, towards our problems with climate before everyone agrees that climate change exists. Because if we wait, the change will never come. How long did black scholars write persuasively about freedom? And how much change came as a result? It's when they organized and mobilized that change happened. It is not when LGBTQ people requested their rights, but when they demanded them that change came. The Americans with Disabilities Act it was not passed because of polite requests, but ongoing advocacy. People are busy. Sometimes 
people engage in systems simply because they don't know. In other times, other times they fall into an us versus them dichotomy and make a conscious choice to participate in a system that causes someone else to have lack. In either case, we can't wait. We have to do all that work at once. But I have great news, friends. We can do that work together. None of us are alone in the work of making this world better for all of us to live in. Second question, and I believe the final question for the night, came from CB, who said, Do you think there will be a breaking point for the American political system? And if so, what might it be? What a great question, CB. Here's why. You know, I saw, as you know, Prop and I pontificated about ways in which Donald Trump could secure a second administration. I want to be clear, that's incredibly unlikely at this point, even less likely now than it was when Prop and I recorded that conversation. But we are starting to get a vision of American democracy bent past the breaking point. And let's be honest, our political system is uh, a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> if, you, if you look at power brokering throughout history, uh, especially in, in Europe and especially in England, um, you know, the, the country of England doesn't even have a written constitution. They have a set of norms and a common law system that informs their parliamentary, parliamentary tradition and how they pass laws. And we get here, we write a constitution and formalize it, but there's still a lot of unwritten stuff in our constitution. And so much is based on good faith actions by their participants. Now, let's be very honest about America. Those good faith participations for most of our history have been good faith negotiations between and for white men. That's just historical fact. Every group that's not white, wealthy landowners in this country has had to fight for their ability to participate in this democracy. But we're seeing the ways that the kind of informal trust-based notions of our democracy are being bent past the breaking point because there's a large number of people in this country who, you know, they want the country to be what it was. And what do I mean what it was? A post-war America where any white person who works 40 hours a week is guaranteed a basic standard of living. That system's not all bad. If you expanded that to every person, I'd be all for it. But when it's white families, now we have a problem. And so we're we're at this really critical juncture. What happens when lesbians want to get married in their own lives and in their own homes, and another group says, if you get married, and I have to acknowledge that you're married, that's a violation of my rights. There, there's a rubric for a long time that was used in civil discussions about how much your right to swing your arm ends where my nose begins. And what we're doing, it feels like 
in many coalitions in American politics is people are trying to lean their noses forward to try to stop someone else's arm to get standing to take something to the Supreme Court. Um, we're in a delicate place right now, this moment in American history. We're probably in as a fragile state in the viability of our democracy that we've been at any point since the Civil War. I can imagine so many scenarios that could push the system past the breaking point. Um, I'm not going to list them out. I think that would be catastrophizing. I don't think it would bring anybody peace, and it wouldn't help us do anything productive. Um, so we're just at the point right now where we have to organize. We have to advocate. We've got to look at what successful change movements have done in the past to demand change. It's, I don't know about you. I don't think it's negotiable that um, criminal justice reform needs to change. It's not negotiable because the outcomes of the system are so messed up. I don't think it's negotiable that there are economic access barriers around racial and ethnic lines in this country. And I also don't think it's negotiable that white working class people, especially in rural America, have gotten a bad deal economically. So the breaking point is close. We're, we're, we're there. We need one more straw on this camel's back, right? We're there. So I'm less interested in saying what will be the specific breaking point and more interested in talking about how do we not break it? How do we not break our democracy? How do we not shatter our system? Now, it may need to get shattered, but if it gets shattered, a lot of people are going to suffer in that process. And so I'm interested in figuring out how we build coalitions that work together for our common interests. I'm very interested in revitalizing the economies of rural American cities and countryside. I'm very interested in that. I care a lot about what's happening with the collapse of manufacturing in the Midwest. What I won't do is say I care about that more than what's happening to people of color in urban centers. We need to work on poverty where? Everywhere. We need to work on access to the labor market everywhere. We need to work on the access to quality education and health care everywhere and for everyone. The breaking point is happening because political strategists divide us up into groups to get us to fight each other while they pass tax breaks for wealthy people. And we've got to get off that system. And of course, if you've listened to the show, uh, last week we did an episode on the history of the Electoral College. You know, in a future episode coming up in just a few weeks, we're going to talk about how to, how we can start getting rid of the two-party system. I actually think that's really important. I think the two-party system is very bad. So let's, we know the breaking point is right around the corner. So let's instead figure out how we get to a mending point
where in the United States we actually live up to our marketing. If this country really represented life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for every citizen and every resident, I would proudly fly an American flag. If this country admitted the ways that we exploit everyone who's not part of the wealthy economic elite class, I would happily say, God bless America, and put my hand over my heart like when we say some kind of pledge or anthem or something. But until then, America has been too good at marketing and too bad on delivering on the promise of what we say we stand for. I told you it was going to be a great show right at the top, and I was right. Thank you so much, Propaganda, for being here. What an incredible show. Thank you all for watching, for being here live. For those of you who are watching on the replay, remember, like and subscribe on YouTube or whatever channel you happen to be watching on right now so you see when we post more stuff. Uh, don't forget, you can join the Cozy Robots at CozyRobot.com, including for the after party just 10 minutes after this episode ends. The Cozy Robot Show is made by the most talented and supportive team in the entire world. And I'd like to thank each and every Cozy Robot for making this program possible. Our producers are Tanner Hearn, Victory Palmazano, and Greg Nordine. The theme song and musical interludes were written and recorded by Madison McCarg and Macy McCarg. Production support by Andrew Galucky. Social media manager by Grace Vaughn. By the way, Grace, you are killing it. Production support and assistant to me, Caitlin Hermstad. Design, Sydney Smith. Motion graphic design, Landon Satterfield. Set design by Jesse Lane Interiors. Wardrobe stylist and craft services. And the best human being on earth is Jenny McCarg. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and I cannot wait to talk with you again next week. Take care, friends. So good to see you. <laughs>